named our podcast the World Class Agency Podcast, not because we thought we were world class, but because we try and get closer to it every conversation that we have. What does World Class Estate Agency look like to you? World Class Estate Agency is all about people. The good estate agents add, adds an incredible amount of value to the consumer. He's, he's looking after the customer properly, so being approachable, being accessible. And for me, every day's a learning day. What does being a world-class agent mean to you? Hello and welcome to today's episode of the World Class Agency Podcast. My name is Mark Worrell from Love to Move. I'm joined by Sam Hunter from Home Search. Sam, good morning, good afternoon, good evening, depending when you're listening to this. How are you? And um, can you believe that us talking about the European Super League got it you know, completely abolished? What a stroke of luck that was. It's nice to know that we've got a little bit of power. Uh, amongst, amongst some fairly influential circles good morning uh to everybody or good morning to you and hello to everybody else uh i'm good had a nice weekend in the cotswolds sun was out uh wore sunscreen this time so didn't come back <clears throat> looking like a tomato um yeah i feel i feel uh just quite jovial at the moment um Things are, I'm hyper conscious of usually when you get into a mode where you feel like things are just sort of moving along at a pace that you would like them to be moving. Something, you know, ridiculous is just around the corner. Um, so you've got to sort of be mindful of that and making sure that you are keeping that discipline um, to make sure you're doing the stuff that got you there in the first place. Um, <laughs> as I say that, you know, you and I both sent each other photos of what looked like fairly exhausting runs this morning. Um, <laughs> yeah. I thought you were covered in sweat and then you told me it was raining. So I don't know how hard you actually went. Uh, but <laughs> It was a bit of both, I reckon. Yeah. Um, it is nice to see, like, I uh, had a late night last night. Uh, well, for me anyway. And then woke up this morning uh, and was thinking, okay, cool. Time to reset, get back into it. You know, and again, I think the reason why I'm feeling that way, the reason why I think the market's good, lots of agents are positive, my business is good on our side is because we keep doing those little things day in, day out. So it's just about making sure that that's always front of mind and then not dropping that ball as such. Double down. You know, we, we talk, I think it was Andy Overman that came and said, you know, um, very strongly, you can only control what you can control and we can't control the bad market. We can't control a good market, but we can, what we control is our behavior, no matter what the market is. And if you have that consistency, to your behaviour, then in the good market, obviously the times are going to be better. And speaking to a lot of agents, as we both do in our in our day jobs, that are reaping the reward of the hard work of the last, you know, I was going to say twelve months, but probably you know much long much longer than that in in reality. Um, and really feeling a positiveness about the market and how long that this you know hot market might, might continue. Like you, I've been you know, doing a bit of socialising now. It's been great to, to get out and, and see people who we've not seen for such a long time. And I think you can always judge the market by if people are asking you, you know, is what we're reading true? Is the housing market really going? We're seeing all these sold boards. Um, my friend's been looking and they keep missing out on houses. Is it really true? And I've had that from a number of different people um, you know, some friends, some acquaintances, um, and, and what have you over the over the last few few weeks. So that's been that's been really encouraging. I think that's a really positive side. Yeah, definitely, I, I would agree with that there. And, I, and you know, some of the stuff that we were talking about off air, which I think would be cool to talk about before we jump in today, is is just it's a bit of a return to some strategy in the market as well. You know, it's not just the same. Um, take the listing, sign the paperwork measure it up, take some photos and slap on a portal and hope for the best. There are people who are actually, you know, offering more of a market-based service to say like, well, let's try this first because that's actually going to help us understand the reality of the price, you know, and let's help, let's be guided by that rather than us lick our finger in the air and hope for the best. So do you want to just talk through uh, what you're telling me off air and the sort of success that you're having with that as well? Yeah. Um, it's almost like uh, an old fashioned strategy and, um, excuse my ignorance if some of the listeners do this as, as a matter of course, but we had a property last week at 950 grand that went on, which is a lot of money for around here. It's, it's not for around you, but around here, that, that's a big chunk of money. In fact, when I told you that, you said, what did you get around there for that? Um, well, it is, it is a lot of money. We put the board up um, before we launched on, on Rightmove. We do you know, quite a lot of 
pre-marketing and, and what have you before that move nowadays anyway but the board was up and I must have had it's on the main road I must have had 20 calls to people um, before it went on right move and it just sort of dawned on me if that's on right move those people probably don't call or maybe 10% of them call because they just go on right move see the price and move you know move on but instead what they're actually doing is they're calling the office we're taking the details if that house isn't right for them. We booked viewings. We had you know, a couple of off-market viewings before it went on right move as well, get a bit of a sense on the price and stuff. And then by the time we've listed the property on right move, we've already spoken to a big chunk of people and we've put their details into our database. Is that, is that a terrible American accent? Australian <laughs> accent? Um, we put them into the database and therefore we know what they're looking for. We can leverage that we can, to get more properties. And when we get properties that match the requirements, we can obviously um, you know, sell them something. So it's just speaking to people and encouraging people to, to speak to us is, is what I would say is our sort of pre-marketing strategy before. Because I think the days of we'll come around, we'll take some photos, we'll stick it on right move. In my opinion, those days are gone and long gone. And if as an agent, that's all you're doing, I think you're going to get, if you're not already, you're going to get caught up very, very fast. Yeah, I mean, whether they're gone or long gone is um, yet to be seen, I think. But if that's all you're offering, then you'll be gone. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Soon, yeah, yeah. Um, it, it's interesting you talk about would those people have looked at a price and gone, no, I'm not interested in that, and you never would have captured their details. So when I uh, started uh, my career, which was the back end of the GFC in Australia. We fared probably better than most, I guess, like of the countries that really suffered through that period. But it was still really tough in that everybody, it was the opposite of now. Everybody had a reason not to move yeah. you know, um, rather than a reason to move now. And this strategy came out uh, where in, in before, before the GFC price, uh, properties were either sold with a price. So on the market at 500 grand, um, or they were sold by auction, which was no price. The market would determine. Um, and where I'm from, you couldn't actually give anybody a guide price whatsoever. You just give them a comparable report and you say, here are the last properties exactly like this ones that have sold. You guys tell me where you think value is on the day, or you can put an offer in beforehand. And what evolved from the auction mentality was that people would inquire because everyone was greedy and they were like, oh, that's a nice house. I wonder if I could pick it up cheap because the market's a bit flat at the moment. But they were scared to buy at auction because it was so final. So this price by negotiation strategy came in where properties weren't priced at all. They would just literally on realestate.com.au say for sale or price by negotiation or contact agent or something like that. And it was a strategy employed by agents for two reasons. One, the obvious greedy reason of we want to find more people who maybe want to sell their house and I want to show them some good service and talk to them. So this is a mechanism to get more inquiry because yeah. everybody's guilty of just being reliant on poor leads to drive your business forward. You know, it's not just agents in this country. And I think it's really important that we qualify that it is everyone that, that does that. Um, it's just, you've got to have more, having more mechanisms than that and using that as the last resort is a way of being, you know, what we would consider to be on your way to be world-class. But the other reason that you would use price by negotiation, and I used to do it a lot, um, was one, you never wanted to put a ceiling on what you could achieve for your client. And secondly, mm -hmm. you didn't want to scare anyone off based on an asking price in a market that was either rising or falling to not inquire. And so you'd put it on there and you'd get two types of inquiry. One, you get people being like, can I really see it? And what's it worth? And you have other people who would inquire saying, I hate you. Just tell me what it's on the market for but you'd still get their name, you'd still get their email address and you'd still be able to then contact them and stay in touch with them for the rest of their natural born lives. So the, the reason why I tell that story is, you know, your board strategy, your, I call it a pre-market strategy, um, mm -hmm. is hugely important. And it's one thing that, you know, if nothing else, everybody is going to have a list of hot buyers right now. It doesn't matter where you are, even though stuff like I'm sitting here looking at my window in central London and for all intents and purposes, it's not that great in London at the moment. Everybody wants to go and buy their slice of Cotswolds, you know, or move out to Surrey yeah. or somewhere like that into Kent, Garden of England. England or the Garden. Northwest. Or the Northwest. Yeah. Um, it's goodbye in, in Preston, from what I hear. Um, but <laughs> there's still people who are active, who are looking. There's still new inquirer flying every day. So 
if you then go and sit in front of a new vendor and you say, well, this is what we're going to do. You know, we're going to have a presence, a market presence, but it's going to be physical because at the moment, everyone's still kind of locked down. So there's lots of people walking at the moment. So we're going to see that. Mm-hmm. And we're going to talk to our list of hot buyers, all the people that have missed out on properties, just like yours over the last six months, which there's plenty. And we're going to invite them through one after the other before we even yeah. think about marketing it publicly, because that's going to allow us to do two things. One, get you the best price from the people we already know. Uh, and I, I said this on a, a webinar last night. The reason why you really want to focus on your hot buyers right now is because they're exactly where you want them to be as an estate agent. They're cashed up and they're emotional. Yeah. Uh, those two <laughs> yeah. things, those two things, as, as uh, like maybe evil as that might sound, that's how you were able to get a really strong result. You know, it's up to you to do it in an empathetic way. So you can use those people to either get an incredible offer and get those people a property, get them exactly what they want very quickly, or you're not going to slump it on Rightmove or Zoopla or on the market or anywhere overpriced and do damage to the rest of that campaign for the people you haven't met yet. You know, so I think it's a fantastic strategy. I'm not surprised that you're doing deals off the back of it. Yeah. I forgot to say as well, actually, um, I forgot to tell you, we got two off market views before it was on Rightmove from our off market strategy and I got three appraisals from it as well. Um, So yeah. And that is one of the key things at the moment to sent to check the price because when if the market is moving fast whether that be up or down obviously it's up at the moment but if the market is moving fast how can we say to someone we are sure on your price this is this is the price because any estate agent at the moment must have seen stuff go on the market and think that'll never sell at that bang gone so you know is it not only fair that we do do that bit of uh, of sense checking on on the price before we before we go to market because you could do a lot of damage either up or down at the moment, I think. Yeah, I, I would agree. And, and you're exactly right there. You, you, your job, and we talk about this often, right? Even if your job title is valuer, you're not there to value. <laughs> you know, no. you're there to talk about a strategy to maximize the market value of that property so that you can get two people who want to buy it to help you determine the real market value for it. Slapping a figure on there is not your job. You're there to employ mechanisms to make sure that you do get whatever that price is and you can justify that price to an actual valuer once somebody's agreed to buy it and, and transact on it. So having all of those in your back pocket and being able to talk about where we are right now, you know, and we wouldn't run the risk of capping what you can achieve. That's incredible language to be using at the moment. And that's why mm. we would suggest slowing down, talking to these key people, you know, um, hot tip for anybody who wants to increase their conversions. Um, genuinely walk into every valuation with a list of five people who are looking for a property just like this. You're all going to have them, you know, and write down what, what properties. Uh, so write down their first names. So you're not giving away any personal information, write down the properties that they've offered on and missed out on just like theirs and when it was. So these guys, you on video. yeah, no, there you go. So it's, you know, yeah. Mark and Rachel, they've offered on one, two, three Smith street. They offered three fifty. Sold 365, haven't found anything they want. We know that they'd go to 365 now. We're sitting here talking to you guys about that as a price. They'd be the first people I'd bring through the door. You know, then you've got Sam and Felicity, same sort of thing. They offered on a property that was 385. So they're already above where we want to be, but your property was not what they offered on. But at the same time, they're desperate to move and haven't found anything. So we'd make sure they're there 20 minutes after Mark and Rachel. This is where we'd start. Then we'd open up to everyone else if we don't get a you know premium result from these people. And then just shut up. You know, just, everyone's, um, we talk about stories that sell. You know, that's, you, you're talking them through the story. And if they've been looking and they might have even put some offers in, interest-only offers or, or what have you, might have, they'll be knowing the, what's happening out there in the market. And they'll be knowing that that's not, that's not estate agent bullshit. That's real sense. You know, these are the people that have been through. I think that's quite a good. I've re- also written down, don't cap what you can achieve on price. Um, we did some role play practice, we call it, obviously, um, within the, the business a couple of weeks ago. And I was really proud that one of our um, valuers, whether we don't call them that, but uh, use the term that people would be one of our valuers, her actual term was, I don't dictate what price you get. You don't dictate what price you get. The market dictates. And I was like, damn right, that is so spot on that, you know, we should be having this conversation with clients 
to also take out the importance of the valuation that we give, supposedly, because we can't dictate the price. So, you know, in a normal market, we can't really. Um, you know, we can give our best guesstimate, but the market dictates the price. But, yeah, without a doubt. Um, you might even I'm say, imagine, imagine the language, and, and I promise you we'll move on and introduce our guest in a second, <laughs> but imagine you can build any relationship possible with somebody who potentially might buy that property but might also have something to sell and you call them up and you say, I know you guys missed out on you know, that one on, on Smith Street. I've got one just like it. We haven't actually put it on the market yet. I want to take you through before we even put a price on it. You know, you guys mm-hmm. can actually help understand if it's a property for you, you tell us what it's worth and we'll talk to them about it. You know, now that's feeding their greed on the buying side to a point, but it's securing the instruction for you, you know, as an agent. It's showing something different as an agent and it's making sure that you have control of the entire process from as early yeah. on as you possibly can. And they might come in and you might've been talking about 350 and they might come in and love it and go, we'll offer you 390, you know? Yeah. And then you've got a decision about whether you sell it to them then and there or whether you go, that's great. Their expectations were a little bit above that. So we're going to invite three or four other people to come in, but you'll have first right of reply, which is probably what I'd do if I was still an agent. There you go. What a strategy. Right. We, we could go on. We could we could go on all day, but come on, let's let's introduce today's guest. All right, let's do it. He's back in the hot seat for his second appearance on the show. Today's guest comes with a storied career. In brief, he's a former investment banker, high street estate agent, founder and CEO of House Network, which is the original online estate agent. He's been MD at the Property Franchise Group, and he's now founder of the Federation of Independent Agents. Friend of the show and the man behind the quote that launched a thousand instructions nearly a year ago to the day, which is the bounce back would be greater than the setback. Graham Locke, welcome back to the World Class Agency podcast. Good morning. Thank you for having me back on. I can't believe it's been a year already. It's been a year. What a year, right? Weird in in both ways. Yeah, amazing. Time flies when you're having fun, eh? (laughs) Sadly does. Um, Great. Let's let's start with the bounce back that you predicted. We were just joking off there. What a prediction that was. Um, the bounce back probably been bigger and better than um, anyone expected, and maybe even that you predicted. And um, what what is it that you think is the most exciting thing about estate agency right now? I think probably the the amount of tools that agents have at their disposal is just incredible. Um, and we a lot of people say, "Oh, prop tech this, prop tech that." And people get sort of tired of that phrase, but actually there's some really good tools out there that they can use in their armory now. And it's not just prop tech, it's all sorts of things. It's using social media more than ever before. Agents are not just using it uh, sparingly, they're actually using it really intelligently now. They're starting to really get a grip on social media channels and how to actually grow their own audiences and sell their properties away from the portal. So for the first time, you can really see that coming together. Um, and I think for the first time, agents are starting to feel like they're empowered a little bit more because wind it back 10 years, you know, just put it on right move, maybe 15 years ago now, put it on right move, Zoopla, and then wait for the phone to ring, sell the house. And it was a very kind of boring process, almost regimented how you sold a property. And it was very hard to distinguish agencies. If you walk down the high street and see 20 branches, they all pretty much look the same. So it's very hard for agents to stand out and be something and have actually show a personality behind this agency. But now you're seeing personalities come through the brand and you're starting to see them, you know, um, talk about the local market, do videos, brilliant Facebook pages, property premier pages on Facebook, for example, um, using great VTs, using virtually hosted viewings for lettings, and now that's creeping into sales as well, um, using Sam's company, Home Search. Um, so, you know, you've got so, so many tools to differentiate yourself, and that's what's the most exciting thing, I think. And if you plug that into brilliant service, you've got a new age of agency, so at the top of that excitement for me is the fact that we finally might be shaking off this uh, wide boy kind of uh, mentality and people not liking estate agents anymore. I think perhaps we're starting to claw back that respect, which is, which is really, really exciting for me. How, how important do you think it is and maybe how difficult is it to get both of those um, aspects right? I completely agree. You've got all those tool, tools out there that you, that you talked about. Um, but hopefully agents aren't doing all of the social media stuff, all of that, getting the personality through the brand and then letting the, the excellent customer service drop. How important and maybe how difficult is it to get those two right, do you think, Graham? It's very difficult and very important. <laughs> um, <laughs> it's, it's, the, it's the short answer. Um, 
your, your people are your business that you know that's a phrase you'll hear day in day out and it's absolutely true um you could be a great business leader, a great business owner. Um, and Sam, you're, you're testified to this because you've grown a business and, and taken on lots of people in the last couple of years. If those people were wrong, where would your business be? You know, um, if you, those people were right, then as you've done, you've employed really well. So I think, yeah, I think agents have to probably just be very careful about how they grow. And, and, and it isn't easy. It, it really isn't easy because finding good people is difficult in, this, in, in, in our industry because of the reputation it has that it built up. And it's a legacy that we've inherited from generations ago that did things in a really bad way. Um, that you don't get people going, I want to be an estate agent when they come out of university or college. They just kind of still falling into it. But I think in time, as to what I just said before, I think gradually it'll become quite an attractive um, place to, to, to practice your career again. And I think you'll see that, you'll see that to improve and in terms of getting the sort of the other side right um that's difficult because there's there's hundreds and hundreds of suppliers to to estate agencies so you need to somehow filter all that down and it's almost like the grand national you sort of 60 runners and riders you think well <laughs> you know, how, how the hell do you pick a winner out of this lot and, and most of the time it's just trial by error a name that you like or you know you just happen to be associated with, with one of those products so it's hard to it's hard that, that's probably the hardest thing getting through to the right products i think do you think on on the recruitment piece um and i think it's a job in itself for business owners to attract the right people into the industry you know um because that's what will inevitably drive everything forward um is having the right people having the right conversations with the right people who are moving house right who want to move house who want to sit stay put and those people having the patience and the discipline just to serve them <clears throat> excuse me in the off time do you think that we'll look back or maybe we are already looking back um and i i think the the really positive feeling in the industry right now is is inflated to a degree by the market but i actually think that this isn't a bubble i think we're in a, a really solid rising market that's going to be around for a little while longer um do you think that we'll, we'll talk about 2020 as being a bit of a watershed moment for the industry in in okay. this country at least of where people were like shit we couldn't work so we started talking to people who had you know even if they wanted to sell their house they couldn't so we actually learned other ways of communicating with them and lo and behold that actually worked and now we're going to double down on that i mean we've seen it like the not just product side but the amount of people like like um buy-in mental buy-in is that a thing from people actually going how do i use this outside of a transaction is really what i guess has taken us forward and that's not necessarily completely our doing i think people have realized that there are other things uh, that you can be doing other than just asking do you want to sell your house so do you think maybe that the not to say that it was a good thing what happened anything last year but it was you know our industry certainly benefited from it and is, is really driving forward now. And do you think that um, in, you know, five or 10 years time, we'll look back and think that's when it all changed? Yeah, definitely. It's, it's the old saying is that you don't know what you've got till it's gone. And, and when was the last time the world took a breath for a year? It doesn't happen, yeah. does it? So yeah. when you, when you lose everything and human, I'm talking about human contact mainly face to face and just, just being able, to, we all just felt stuck, didn't we really? I mean, as, as, as consumers that um and i think you lose that you lose that advice you lose that that sort of human contact and then it comes back again you actually, you actually start to appreciate it when you see it come back again so the last time i started, spoke to my estate agent before lockdown um he or she wasn't really that bothered just going through the motions and i didn't appreciate them they didn't really appreciate me but i think pause for a year it's like breaking up with your wife coming back again you actually i remember why i liked you now um you're now giving me really good advice and uh, you're dating me again and you actually, you're wooing me and you, 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 you want me to work, work with you and you want, me, you want to take my property on and you want to build a relationship with me. This feels different this time. I think I like you again. So I think it's, it, I think it will be a watershed moment where, where you've had a year to think about things and then go back and actually say, you know what? I think I made some mis mistakes in that last relationship we had and actually going to become back a bit better this time. And we're well suited to start with. There's nothing wrong with it, but we just sort of gave up on each other. Um, so I think that that year has it's just been a massive reflection time. God forbid it never happens again in any way, shape or form. Uh, but yeah, I absolutely agree with you, Sam. I think it is a watershed, watershed moment this year, uh, uh, 2020. Cool. Um, I want to try something a bit different. 
today. Um, so we mentioned it in your intro um, that you've had, you've done a lot in your career to date. Um, so what I'm hoping we could do is actually uh, do a bit of like a quick fire lesson from each role that we sort of mentioned within your career um, to just sort of see, I guess, the a bit of the evolution of Graham Locke and see what we can learn throughout everything that you've held along the way. So what I'm going to do is call out what you did. Give me something that comes to mind immediately, if you can. And then, uh, you know, if Mark waves his hand or I wave my hand, we might go a little bit deeper into, into something like that if we think it's going to you know, benefit the listener. So wow. you ready? Okay. Yeah, I'm ready. Right. So investment banking. Can't work for anybody. <laughs> Estate <laughs> agent. Average. <laughs> Online agency. Didn't raise enough money. Franchising. Herding sheep. No, herding cats. <laughs> I, wish, I wish it was herding sheep. Yeah. Like herding cats. Like herding cats. And the FIA. Exciting. Cool. Talk us through the average estate agent. Why do you think you're average? Because my bosses were kind of average, um, slightly unambitious. So you sort of, you, you kind of, it's like being in an environment, you, you just become what's in the environment, I suppose, don't you? When the majority rules. So if you sort of go and live with some, you know, tribal set up in, in a jungle somewhere, you'll end up being just like them doing the same things they do, because that's just what the way it is. Mm. So I think it's really important. I, I, I probably didn't start the right company. Um, I don't know. It just, yeah, it, it, it just, I was just an average, I was just an average agent. And back then, 2002, there wasn't that much to be different about. And it was a small independent. We was up against the large corporates. I had no tools to fight with really, uh, apart from my personality. And obviously that's why I was average. <laughs> I'm loving the analogies this morning, Graham. Like you're leaving your wife and coming back to you, like going, going <laughs> to live in a, in a, in a jungle in a tribe. Did you, can I ask on that? Um, did you, realize at the time that you were average or is it only on reflection and you know from the growth and personal development and all that side of things that you've been able to look back and would you have chosen that word when you were actually in that role do you think that's a good question um i guess at the time i was just going through a learning phase that i'd never done a state agency so i just got told this is how you do it so you know you got told yeah. hey do something that's how you go and do it yeah but on, on reflection um I was quite young as well, I think, to be going out valuing as well, which was up against me a little bit without no property experience. Um, so I found that quite difficult. Um, but no, I think going back and, and, and doing it again now, um, I'd be a completely different person. Um, I just wasn't in the right environment to be to become anything decent. And by the time I sort of started to figure out state agency, the lure of online came. Um, and that was it. I was off on a different path completely. So it was only... It was only three years that I was a high street agent. Okay, cool. Um, you talked about franchising and herding sheep or cats. It was cats, wasn't it? Um, it was cats, let's yeah. transition from franchising to the FIA. FIA I can't speak this morning. <laughs> FIA for a minute. Um, you said it's exciting. Um, what makes it exciting? And what, for you, makes an agent a great agent to join the FIA? Um, it, it's exciting because the, the agents that we get to work with, the caliber is, is so good. Um, so these yeah. are guys and girls that are leading the way, in my opinion. Um, they're not afraid to try things. They're not afraid to spend money on things. They're very successful. Um, we've had several of our members expand in the last 12 months, uh, which is a testament to them uh, and what they're doing. Um, so, yeah, it's just, it's just nice to be working with the elite in the independent world because they really do do things differently. Um, as you guys know, this is chalk and cheese sometimes between one and the other. Um, but to, to, to get into the FIA, there's certain qualifying criteria that we've put in place recently, um, which is, you know, the best we can sort of frame an application is that they've got to have uh, a minimum number of reviews on a reputable review site. And it's got to be a minimum rating, equivalent to four and a half out of five on Google, for example. Um, won an industry recognized award in the last 12 months um, or be recommended in or voted in by the existing membership. Um, so if they don't meet the natural criteria, we can propose them to the members and they'll decide whether they want them in that 
that organization with them because they share so much. Um, we've got a WhatsApp group that's always on every day, uh, constantly uh, conversations going on there. We have webinars, as Sam knows, he was on one last night. We have conferences. So it, it's, it's uh, I know it sounds corny, to, it's like a family, but we are all very close um, and we all want to see each other do better. And for a state agency, that's quite unusual from, from when, when I started. Um, so I think I think you guys do have a really sort of unique group there uh, and I was quite surprised here yesterday that everyone's throwing ideas and talking to each other in a WhatsApp group day in day out because uh, I you know we don't do that <laughs> we're all in one business so I think it is that sort of criteria that you ask people to hold up to you know it's it's like being a values-based organization right you want to make sure that people are going to come in and add to that culture you know, it, it does very much seem like it's a bit of a culture there. It's interesting. You said there before, like um, people can can vote people into the business or into the into the FIA. Can people vote people out? Um, if there was a clamour for someone to leave, then because it's a federation, then I think absolutely. Um, if there was a, an issue with any agents, then then yes, um, the members could could get together and say they're damaging the brand and, and the brand is everything absolutely mm. everything because i think you know people buying and selling homes they, they don't really have much faith in the naea as a, as a sort of directional body that would you know, just because you've got naea doesn't mean to say you're going to be an amazing estate agent it just means to say you've you follow the rules and that's it um so yeah it's if there was if there was someone that made a huge mistake and uh they couldn't stay in then we don't even have contracts so you can't have a you can't even sign in for 12 months because we don't know if you're going to be as good next year as you were this year um so it's month by month literally to give us the opportunity to actually it's damaging our brand and you have to leave the organization but you can give it 12 months you can reapply if you want to i think that's probably fair enough um so let's talk about predictions for the future so we were here a year ago, you know, and you had your Nostradamus hat on, crystal ball out, and you talked about bounce back being better than setbacks. What does what does the next 12 months hold, you know, and is it going to be as surprising as the last eight months? Yeah, I think um, next 12 months, I think property transaction numbers will probably start to get over 1.2 million, uh, somewhere between 1.2, 1.3. Um, I think prices will continue to go up. I think because I think interest rates will continue as they are. I can't see much happening on that front. In fact, I can't see much changing in the next five years. I think the only thing, because interest rates are so low, they can't really go any lower, can they? So no. we're kind of reaching that peak a little bit, I think. And, we, and I think my prediction would be just on the pricing front, property pricing may cool off a little as we enter the next 12 months and onwards because it's so hot at the moment. It just feels like it's that last push. And you get these cycles where you have that last sprint and everyone takes a breather. And then we have another sprint, we take a breather. It does feel like we've had a sprint, but in transaction levels, I think that will, that will be okay. I just think it's pricing might have to level out slightly um, because money's as cheap as it, it can be. Um, therefore affordability will, it will have an effect on affordability if prices keep going up. But I do think the demand is still there. So I actually see, um, Beyond 12 months, I, th I see a really strong transactional market for the next five years. And I think a lot of that is driven by people now moving into different areas, which they wasn't doing before. So they didn't have a, an excuse to move a few years ago, but, but COVID has now given them that excuse to move where people have been in the house for 20. They might have just stayed for the next 10 because that's, that's just the way life is. Because life changed, I think that had a significant impact on reasons to move home have gone up dramatically and that's what's going to fuel the actual transaction numbers the only thing yeah the only thing that's going to take a breath it has got to be prices mm. i think i'd agree with you there you know um so often lifestyle is like the driver of the move um but it's, it's only with certain points so again you know you talk about death divorce debt right there's one other one which I can never sort of remember. remember. Um, probably something like dirty nappies or something like that. Um, but this is a very rare occurrence or event. That's what I was trying to go with somewhere there where everybody has a lifestyle change. You know, and that's what's really, and I agree with you. Um, 
whether prices come back or not, whether they just stabilize and people are just more willing to move and like there'll, there'll be an element of greed that starts to creep in, I think now. Um, and that'll be driven by both estate agents. And we've talked about overvaluing on this show and will be driven by inflated expectations as dinner parties start coming back more and more and more. And everyone starts talking about how much they sold their house for that person's going to be like, wow, we get loads for our house. Not actually understanding yeah. whatever the climate may be like for that property <clears throat> at that point in time. And that's where, you know, agents, part of the FIA, all the other good agents out there, world-class agents out there need to be having those conversations to actually set and manage expectations to make sure that yeah. everything's on the sharp end so that you keep that market moving. The other thing, to be aware of in the back lurking in the background maybe the return of 100% mortgages <laughs> because now we've gone from 90% they were quite stingy on 90% then they started to flow and now the 95% are coming out and that was before the government helped out that was mm. lenders getting a little bit greedy again I suppose just didn't, don't want to miss the next wave um, so if we've gone from 90 to 95 it's, it's a very small jump now into the 100 again or close to it what effect that will have, I don't know, apart from prices puffing up again. But then didn't yeah. we learn our lesson? <laughs> you know, didn't we learn our Let's lesson? So. It all sounds very familiar, doesn't it, right? So, but, it, but life goes around in cycles. It seems like we never learn sometimes. But I wouldn't, I wouldn't, it wouldn't surprise me to see a 100% mortgage come out in the next 18 months. There you go. Yeah, there's, there's this company in the northeast called Northern Rock that are... Uh... They're going to jump, <laughs> jump in and push it up to 125. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I just pray they stop at 100, Mark. I, I pray they stop at 100. When there's nowhere to go, they, they get creative, don't they? they? They go, okay, what can we do now to drive it again? What can we do? Because you think about affordability, when it was like down to 85%, it was quite tough for people to get on the market. Mm. They've now got, they're now seeing 95%. So they've only come up, got to come up with 5% deposit. And they've had a year to save for that. That's why you're seeing such a rush to the market. People have got the money. Without to put spending. Down yeah, not spending any money. So they've saved that 5%. They thought they were saving for 15%, perhaps. It's all changed. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Absolutely. It'd be, it'd be really interesting. I, I agree with a lot of what you've said. When um, we're now starting socialising, a lot of people are talking to me about the market and what have you, and I'm saying exactly the same thing, that people have gone through this, this significant lifestyle change over the last 12 months, as, as Sam said. It's, so, yeah, hopefully people are still going to make their decision and their lifestyle changes over the next two or, two or three years. And I hope those transaction numbers that you, you talk about, um, you know, do come to fruition. That'd be, that'd be really good. Um, but to wrap, we want to, we want to talk about world-class agency. Um, Graham, last time you were on, you talked about it being um, about clarity on why you want to do something, what you're doing and who you're going to do it for. Talked about communication, promoting your good deeds, in, in the right way, which we've seen a lot of agents, I think, do over the last year, particularly in community and stuff. And you also talked about commitment, basically saying, if you're going to do it, do it. So I wanted just to, to revisit that um, and ask you, what does world-class estate agency look like to you in 2021? I think now it's a case of be different, differentiate yourself 100%, because you've got to keep evolving as an agent um, and you've got to come away from that. We all look and sound the same. We don't. Um, there's so many ways to differentiate yourself now. It's almost no excuse to be different. Um, but if you stay the same and you, and you don't differentiate yourself, then nothing's going to change. Right. So I think, yeah, world-class agency in 21 is, is be different. And let's go a little bit deeper on that one there. So again, off top of your head, putting on the spot, what does being different look like? So if you were talking to any of your members now, they're coming up against, you know, um, agencies that are, uh, you know, bigger, harder to like change organizations, you know, established, been around a long time, lots of branches. What are you saying to them as ways that they can be different? I think it's, a, it's not just one thing. It's certainly a combination of things. Um, I think it's how they're communicating. So how, how does the customer want to be communicated in 2021? And you can't just say, oh, let's just do everything on the phone or let's just do everything on email or let's just do everything on WhatsApp or let's, you know, it's got to be a mixture of those things. So it's actually becoming bespoke around how that customer, how does Sam want to be communicated? Sam will say to me, he's a vendor and he'll say, don't call me after six, I've got no interest. Text me between 12 and two and I'm your best friend. And Mark might say, um, between nine and 10, I'm doing the school run, but 10 and 12, perfect. Or after eight in the evening's perfect. So I think it's, 
being different by how you communicate. It's being different by how you market yourself. It's being different on how you prospect for new business. Um, there's so many different tools and ways you can do that. So it's it's everything really about yourself, even the, your your brand. You know, why not have a look at your your brand if you've had the same brand now for 15, 20 years? Is it time to have a look at that and go, are we different enough? Does it look different? And you you see new agencies come along, daring to do things slightly different. Um, shout out to likes of Ian Macbeth with uh, Avocado, you know, brave but it's working for him, you know, yeah. and, and he's made, that's a big differentiator for him. But he actually, when you look below the surface, what he's doing in particular, um, culture-wise is fantastic. It's phenomenal. It's really, really good. But we've got agents in FIA doing brilliant things on Facebook, absolutely phenomenal things on Facebook where they're selling houses. We had one that sold six in one week on, on Facebook, on their Facebook preview page <laughs> before it hit any of the portals. So again, it's being different. It's doing something different. But actually, it's, that's good for everybody. It gives them control and power. So they're controlling their own data and how they send their properties. They've got control over their costs because they don't have to go on the portals. At some point, I'm sure they'll come off. Um, so yeah, lots of different ways to do it, I think, is the answer to that question. Nice one. Well, Graham Locke, uh, second time round. I'm interested to see where we are in 18 months and we can come back and revisit the crystal ball again. Um, from Mark and I and everyone who's listening, thank you very much. That was great. Thanks, guys. And I say thank you once again to Graham Locke from the FIA for joining us today. Um, we talked a little bit on intro, Sam, about different marketing strategies. Um, Graham then went on to talk about agents standing out. And I think there's quite a lot of this going on at the moment. Um, and he said that it's easier than ever for agents to stand out. It's easy for them to get the personalities out, out through, through the brand and then he said but you've also got to plug in the excellent service so we talked about on the intro um taking the names of a few people through um and as you were saying that i was thinking that's all well and good but you've got to do the hard yards of asking great questions and finding out about those houses that may have missed out so that's the excellent customer service bit you can then be different by taking those people through um, when it's off market and, and that type of thing. So it actually dovetails in quite well to um, what we were talking about before we spoke to Graham with then him talking about standing out from the crowd. Yeah, I mean, I think the, the best answers to that world-class agency question are the simplest, right? And so- Yeah, I agree. And, and when you talk about being different and then understanding what that actually looks like, um, it, it just makes sense. Why would you want to go into any conversation anywhere and, and be the same as anybody else? And just to your point there about um, being different can and is, is not just about, you know, doing one or two things. It's about asking the right questions and making sure what it is. You know, the reason why the best agents ask the best questions and more of them is because the answers to those questions provide them an opportunity to tell stories to the next people as well. Mm -hmm. So if we come back to where we were in our intro, you know, we were talking about walking into an evaluation for the next 12 months with the list of five people who you know would view that home. Now, maybe they don't buy it, but they'd view it and they'd view it quickly. And that's going to, one, show that you're different and two, allow you to probably walk out of there with a signed agreement at a fair fee to just, you know, particularly if you're one of the modern agents and let's talk about being different here where you're not offering 18-week lock-in terms and stuff like that. You know, you've got maybe a rolling six-week contract which I think is actually the fairest for all parties out there, something like that now. So yeah, being different, setting those uh, clear expectations. You know, I really like what, what Graham said about, you know, when do people want to be spoken to? You yeah. know, I'm, I'm forever like trying to probably too much shove down people's throats. They need to be talking to their sellers every day. You know, um, Chris Watkin asked me a video the other day about why agents, uh, uh, aren't very good at selling houses. I was like, I don't know if they're not very good at selling houses, but you know, one of the reasons why people tend to change agents, maybe less so in a market like we're now, uh, is because they just don't talk to them enough. So I'm always saying, even if you've got mm -hmm. nothing to say, talk to your sellers, but set that up at the start, you know? So say we talk to you every day, but you tell me when. Do you want to text at 7 a.m.? Do you want to text at yeah. 7 p.m.? Do you want me to call you at 11.45? Do you just want an email? Do you want a weekly marketing report on top of that as well? And, and then the same sort of thing. So I, I liked and this is a really selfish point um, from my perspective, but when he was sort of saying like everything that you do, prospecting, marketing, service, communication, 
you know, it all, it's all there for the client and it comes back to them. So how can you actually be different in your prospecting? What does that look like? You know, you were yeah. sort of talking about prospecting for you is pre-market campaigns at the moment because they're having such a great response because people are seeing things mm-hmm. and they're like, I've never seen that one on the internet. I look at it every day, but I see that sign. I'm going to call, you know, Mark and understand that. So yeah, how can you do things? And this might be, whether you do this or not, I'm going to leave up to you, but uh, I don't know if you've ever done this, but have you ever like got a mate of yours to get your competitors around for a market appraisal? No comment. <laughs> so uh, I did this when I was an agent because I was just interested to know, you know, I'd seen some of my competitors at the same training events that I went to. So, you know, personality, you can't really copy, I don't believe. Um, but structure and, you know, paraphernalia and all that sort of stuff, I think is pretty easy to replicate. Um, it's the same sort of thing in any business, I guess. And, and so understanding what they do gives you an, a, a, a window into how you can actually be different as well as being yourself too. Mm. So that might be a really useful exercise for people now. Um, we were talking off air about um, a client of ours who's basically not lost a listing in the last two months because he's going in there and he's talking about uh, whoever is the cheapest fee of the three, you know, uh, Simon, when he talks about calls, who's on the shopping list. So whoever comes in is on the shopping list and someone's offering 0.75% and you want 1.5% or you want 2% or whatever it is. And you say, okay, cool. Well, here are my deliverables. And you, know, and you spoke about what Andy uh, Overman said at the start of the show, where we're talking about control, you can control. So it's, here's what I'm going to do. Here's me setting clear expectations here. Here's me proving that I'm different by, I'm going to call you at, at I'm agree you want to be texted at 7.15 every day. So I'm going to text you feedback from yesterday at 7.15 every day. We'll do a weekly report. Um, his thing is every 10 viewings, if we haven't had an offer, we're going to have a conversation around price. You know, And if I don't do any of these things, if I miss any of that, then the fees 0.75% or whatever the lowest on the shopping list was. If I tick all those and you accept the offer, then the fees 1.5%. And he hasn't missed anything since because people are, maybe not expecting him to fail, but they've got that safety net if he does. Um, And they're getting this incredible service. And right now, because of the way that the market is and the way that his marketing is, they're getting incredible results. You know, and that's... that's demonstrate value to that, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. And that's just been greedy at the moment too, you know? Yeah, you mentioned the word greedy... um, in the intro, we talked about it a little bit off air. We should, we probably stopped the recording a little bit soon. We had a great chat with Graham. We're going off air as well. But um, we talk, you, you said about agents being greedy and how it's a great time for agents to be greedy. So often, you know, negative connotations with the word. But can you explain a little bit to the listeners about what you meant when you were talking about that and why you think it's a good time for agents to be greedy? So this came off the back of... We were talking about a BBC article out this morning where Martin Lewis is talking about the return of 95% mortgages. And then we all had a bit of a chuckle about the the rumours of it going back to 100% mortgages. And Mark was saying there's a really good bank up in the northeast that is really excited to be doing more than 100% mortgages as well. <laughs> um, and, and Graham made the point that, uh, you know, lenders show you the way in terms of how they make the most out of any market. You know, they they're mm-hmm. the first to get greedy and probably the last to realize when to stop as well. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's also they're absorbing a hell of a lot of risk. One of the beautiful things about um, real estate is that you you are a broker, so you don't have any of the risk. You know, it's not you're the one that is paid to do a job in the middle. So you're there to facilitate something that happens. Yeah. If you oversell it, you know you aren't going to be penalized by the valuer. If you undersell it, you're not going to feel uh, done, hard done by as a seller would do so you can you can be really greedy in, in markets like this as well and I would advise that you should be really greedy in markets like this as well and what I mean by that is you know having the discipline to we talked about asking questions you know to make sure mm-hmm. that you're asking every single question you possibly can you know have you made any offers in the past yeah we did what were they you know well I was a three bed in Putney. Well, no, what was the address? I'm really interested to know because I, you know, keeping it. And that that then allows you to build those stories for those five buyers when you're taking into valuations to be different to help convert more, you know? Yeah. It so you've got to be greedy now. You've got to look at it's not enough to get an inquiry and sell a house in 
24 or 48 hours because the chances are that you're missing out on four or five other opportunities. You know, there's a great cricket saying, uh, and this is sort of my uh, cliche of the week at the moment. Uh, so apologies if anyone's listening to this and they've already heard me say this, but there's a great cricket saying of like when you're bowling and you're in the field, uh, one brings two. So you get a wicket, you're going to get another wicket. You know, you bring somebody yeah. into the crease, feels was a board up, the chat's probably a little bit sharper. You know, everyone's a bit funnier than they were just fielding and like catching balls off the carpet. So in property, particularly in a market as where we are now, one brings two. So every, yeah. and, and this is sort of the ethos that we train on within Home Search and we talk about with all of our clients is that every secured piece of like success story, whether that's a new instruction, property going under offer or an exchange will bring you two opportunities on top of that. So every, every property from instruction to completion should bring you six more opportunities if you're doing it right. Mm -hmm. So it's like one brings six, but it's all of these trigger points of success, right? So one brings two um, in that if you're doing this work, this is how you maximize this market, right? Because everyone's having, everyone's selling a property in 24 hours every single week, but who are you telling? Are you telling every single person in your database that you've just sold another one in 24 hours and you had multiple offers? Are you then going back to those four or five people who missed out saying, you know, I'm really sorry that you missed out on that one. It did go for a, a quite ridiculous price. Do you want to talk about your place? So you're in a better position next time. And I'll explain to you what position means. Cause I know it's a bit real estate jargony or do you say, I'm going to make it my absolute effort to go and find you guys something exactly like it. You know, there's a little bit of a plug for us there, but you don't have to use us to go and do that. You can literally go on door knock if you want mm. to. Um, yeah. Can I, and then again, you've got to ask the question it, when I find it, you know, will you guys come and view it straight away if you haven't bought anything else and you want to get their buy-in from that, you know, and who else do you know that needs to be going through this? Is there anybody else that's really struggling to buy that we can go and help? So you've got to be really greedy and you've got to get every last bit of information out of anybody, you know, and then when you get to the point of them wanting to buy something, it's your job at the moment to get every last pound out of them as well. Um, you can't be scared yeah. of that. Yeah. I, I love that. I think the, as I said, when I asked you the question, the negative connotations of greedy in that instance should be completely, you know, chucked in the bin because that one brings two might be cliche. Um, and, you know, chuckling to myself that you brought in a cricket cliche again. Um, but I think, I think it's really important. And if you can do that consistently and you can use some of the stuff that Graham talked about by, you know, being different, um, by continuing to evolve, um, by making sure that you stand out. If you're doing this, you're, you're going to be doing those things anyway. But if you can, you know, have that mindset that one brings two in a market where we're selling loads, but still instructions are fairly hard to, to come by, you know, you've got to be greedy um, so that you can, you know, put yourself, um, you know, in, in a better position, help your business grow and, and so on and so forth. So I think that's a really great analogy. And it's certainly one of the things that I'm going to be, be taking away and going into our team meeting now. And we'll be talking about being greedy in, in that sense of the word, definitely. Nice. Glad I could help. Yeah, excellent. Right. Awesome. Thank you very much. Um, a massive thank you once again to Graham for joining us today. Um, thank you very much for listening. As you know, we do this because we quite like our industry. You know, it's not so bad, really. Um, so please rate, review, and share your, your favourite episodes. I'm Mark Worrell. He's Sam Hunter. Thank you very much. We'll see you again next week.